God's greatest reward for word-filled parenting is to lead your children to Jesus and then see them faithfully follow him as they graduate from your home. That is very true. I know some of us in here, uh, a lot of people that we might know, are still waiting for their children to come in. And do they always stay on that path I didn't but I found my way back so up to now we've talked about mothers and word filling your children and the importance of developing your children and the role that mothers play in that Dads have a very important role, which we're going to get into, but mothers do so much to solidify what the father has put in place when the father's not there. Mothers, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, mothers are so much more of a nurturer. They help to groom and nurture the children and what the father has put down and what the father should be leading as an example. So at the top of the second page on 228, it says you can write emails all day, but if you are not connected to the internet, they go nowhere. And I wrote out beside, you can write sticky notes, you can give lectures, you can ground them, you can take their toys away, you can do all kinds of things, but if you and your kids, your home is not connected to God. A lot of times it goes nowhere. God is the center point of everything. The center point of our own individual lives, the center point, the head of our household. At the bottom of that first paragraph, it says, Word-filled family starts in the heart and life of a husband and dad who becomes full of God and his word. Why is that? Because dads are the priest of his house. It starts with the dad. For a dad to try and leave that to the mom, it won't work. Dads, fathers have to take the responsibility and be the godly man they were designed to be. And it starts with the dads. Dad doesn't leave it up to the mother to make sure the kids are going to church, to make sure the kids are reading the Bible. It starts with the dad. Now, we'll talk about that a little bit later here, how hard that can be for a dad, juggling between vocations and family. Because your dad is also the provider of the house. So then, it says, would you do it differently? When Jonathan Lee said they, their kids are still young, um, mine's out of the house Bob's, Joseph's so right here it says I would love my wife more in front of my children I would laugh with my children more at our mistakes and our joys 
I would listen more, even to the littlest child. I would be more honest about my own weaknesses, never pretending perfection. I would pay different, pray differently for my family. Instead of focusing so much on them, I'd focus more on me. I would do more things together with my children. I would encourage them more and bestow more praise. I would pray more, pay more attention to the little things like deeds and words of thoughtfulness. And then finally, if I had to do it all over again, I would share God more intimately with my family. Every ordinary thing that happened in every ordinary day, I would use to direct them to God. So I ask, anybody here would do anything differently with their kids? <laughs> there you go, Terry. <laughs> I know for for sure I would. We, we, we were already, when Jennifer and I first got together, Abriana was already eight. She had been living with Jennifer's aunt and uncle. They're great people, but their beliefs aren't quite like ours. So we had to help take some things away from Adriana to build her back up. But at the same time, Jennifer and I were just coming into our faith. So especially I would do things over at the beginning as far as raising her and, and getting God into her because I was still just mentally starting to get God into me. But looking back now, I would be pouring as much in as I could. Bob, how about you? There's a lot of things I look back at, and I know some of y'all have young ones, and Bianca and Juan and Lisa and all them. And I'm going to tell you, the most important thing you can absolutely do with your kids is raise them in church and raise them with the Word of God in their lives and them understanding how powerful the Word of God is and how powerful the Holy Spirit is and what they need in life to make it through life. My, both my girls went to church. They're not going to church at this moment. I pray for them all the time, every day. And I send them little messages, little notes and things, and just talk to them and let them know how much I love them. But I don't force them into anything. That's They're going to have to make their own decisions. But the thing I wish I'd have done more is when they were younger is just make sure that we directed that and uh, be more... Uh, they did see us in church, and they did know that, you know, I went to church a lot back in, when they were young, but somewhere in the middle there, we kind of fell away. So, anyway, all I can say is stay with God and don't, don't step out. Stay on the path of righteousness that God has set before you and keep walking, and just keep walking. And if you find yourself off to one side or the other, get yourself back to God because that is the foundation. He is our anchor. He is that we can reach out and call on. Amen. Thanks, Bob. When we were raising the kids, so we were raising them in church, and one of the things that I would have done differently is that I think that sometimes we spent more time with in the ministry than we did with the kids. 
we, we, I wish we would have balanced that more, you know, because we ended up having two kids that got on drugs and, you know, the preacher's kid syndrome, and, and that's one thing. But I will say this about Terry when he said that he was a great dad and he raised my kids. Their dad had nothing to do with them, and they, he was a wonderful dad, taught, I mean, coached and did all of that while he was pastoring and working a full-time job. So thank you, honey. Yeah, and I, I like what Bob said, you know, early is the key because we did miss the first you know after Pam and I met we we I didn't know the Lord she she did I didn't and and we got messed up on drugs so we lost two or three years with the kids you know that were vitally important it's I love Bianca seeing you know and Jonathan and Lisa seeing these little ones in here is the best smartest thing you can do but I will say this uh Bringing them to church is only half of it. You've got to live it at home as well. I mean, because then they'll just think, well, what's church? It's good for nothing. You know, look at mom and dad. Parents have to be the example. that you said sponge because that's such an impressible year and they they absorb that information and they retain it and they recite it later it's with them forever and if you're not filling them with the word of god trust me they're going to get filled with something else <laughs> yes <it's funny. laughs> what he was an only child for a long time and he we tell you know he's he grew up in teen challenge he didn't just grow up in church he grew up in teen challenge like he was crawling in the chapel and you know at our wedding and things like that but it's hard he was there but um it's hard like pam said when you're in ministry there's this strange expectation Patrick should just already know all the things and should just hush his little mouth and sit down and be an angel because, well, he grew up in church. Why can't he behave, you know? And so it, I, get, I, I can't speak for Jonathan, but for myself, I get very tunnel-visioned in the right now. Like, no, you should, you should be behaving better. And I have really been trying to work on that lately. So it's, it's good to hear these things from you guys because I've been trying to work on allowing him to be a kid. I'm not good at that. I'm not good at showing him grace. I'll show anybody else on the planet grace, but for some reason, my own children get zero grace from me. And it's like, you know, we homeschool, we live together, we work together. Like, we, we get real sick of each other by the end of the day. But at the same time, like, I'm really trying to actively be a more gracious mother and allowing them to make mistakes because that's the best opportunity for me to show them Jesus is when they've made a mistake not in their perfection because a perfect person doesn't need Christ. So, anyway. Great points.
you're all getting the things that we're fixing to talk about, and that's awesome, because you already know where we're going. Um, we'll talk about it here in just a minute, but that's another mistake that Jennifer and I made, especially whenever I got called to be a pastor. Your expectations for yourself and for your family change, and you tend to, and one of the mistakes that we made with Adriana was that we tried to hold her to something she was not able to attain, and it broke her, and in return, she lashed out, and that was our fault. So, uh, the first last paragraph on, on 229 says, today, take, take uh, God's hand is likewise reaching out to you from the heart of the universe. If you will but lay your child's hands in his and help them walk with him, they will never, ever let go. They will never get lost. You can trust him to lovingly guide you and your family in every stage of life. Proverbs 22.6, something that Bob and others have already mentioned. Beth? Proverbs 22.6. Train up, there it is. Yep. That's going to come back up here in a little bit later, too. Um, so then we get what does a uh, what's a good word? An unruly, a disobedient son. Um, what are some things that they do? And here are, are, are six points. One is that a wayward son or daughter will grieve his mother. A wayward son or daughter will grieve their mother. Proverbs 10.1, a foolish son is a grief to his father and bitterness to her who bore him. Uh, second is despises his father. Proverbs 15.5, a fool despises his father's instruction, but he who receives correction is prudent. And that goes both ways. Both earthly father and heavenly father. Sorrows his father. Proverbs 17.21, he who, be, who begets a scoffer does not, does so to his sorrow in the father of a fool has no joy. For it says, ruins his father. A foolish son is the ruin of his father. Shames his parents. He who mistreats his father and chases away his mother is a son who causes shame and brings reproach. And lastly, robs his parents. Whoever robs his father or his mother and, and says it is no transgression, the same is, is companion to a destroyer. Pretty serious things. But I know it's happened because I've seen a couple of those happen personally. So when it comes to rearing children, every society is only 20 years away from barbarians. I like this. It says the infant is totally ignorant about communism, fascism, democracy, and civil liberties. Respect, decency, honesty, customs, conventions, and manners. The barbarian must be tamed if civilization is to survive. D. 
These things are up to, and I wrote this, not the book. These things are up to the parents to instill in the children, both through the word and through example. I mentioned it just a minute ago. If we do not instill the word and proper life actions in our kids, someone else will. They'll go to school, they'll meet Billy, and Billy will teach them exactly how to live life Billy's way. Not mom and dad's way. There is no denying parents must deal with the evil that rests in their children's lives. Now, Jonathan Lisa homeschool, right? I know from Abraham's experience, school was a very dark time. It exposed her to many things that she was not ready for. And she fell subject to some of those things, as I did too when I was a kid. So the statement that it just said is there's no denying that parents must deal with the evil that rests in their children's lives. We have to step in when that evil confronts our children at school or wherever it might be. We have to step in and show them how to deal with that, how to eliminate it from their lives and what the right response is for this. Godly. Bible's pretty set on the importance of parents. In our society nowadays, broken homes, rampant divorce rates, same-sex couples, same-sex couples adopting babies that have no right to be adopting. Our portrait of the family is broken in our society nowadays. But the Bible lays it out pretty clear on what it's supposed to be like according to God. They did a study on children five to six years of age. It proved to be 90% accurate. They identified four necessary factors to prevent delinquency in children. Discipline must be firm, fair, and consistent. A mother must know where her children are and what they're doing at all times and be with them as much as possible. Children need to see love demonstrated between the father and mother and see genuine love lived out before them. A family must be cohesive, regularly spending spending time together. A lot of times now you have dad in the office, mom in the kitchen, and the kids in the bedrooms on electronics. There's not much cohesiveness in the family anymore. Uh, Question number two is at the start of this last paragraph. Word-filled husbands and fathers recognize that their vocations, jobs, are important. But their homes are essential. Uh, An example from my life, this is before we were able to get Adriana back in our lives. Um, I was offered a very good job at an oil field company not far away. 
that's good. Great money. I'm really going to be able to provide for my family. I've got a house. No worries, right? Jennifer won't have to work. I'll have everything covered. They wanted me to be on call 24-7. You could work till 2.30 in the morning, drive home, get a call before you even got home, got in bed, have to come back to work. You were, they were going to own me. I was at their beck and call whenever, no matter what. Jennifer's response when I told her was, she didn't say this. I'm going to paraphrase. Don't count on me staying around if you take this job. She said, I would rather have you than all that money. And that completely changed my perspective because until Jennifer was my, my first everything. So until Jennifer, all I was consumed with was work. I would work 20 hours a day and get back up at 5 o'clock and go back to work the next day. I didn't care. I was blowing money on nothing. It meant nothing, nothing. I just, that was my life. It was meaningless. Partying and just, you know, dumb. So I met Jennifer, and she was my first of everything. And when she said that, and I literally sat down on the couch. I didn't understand what she meant. I was like, but this is really good money. Like, how can I turn this down? Basically, without bluntly putting it, gave me an ultimatum, said, you choose the money, you choose me. I think I made the right choice. So word-filled dads are keenly aware of their responsibilities listed in Ephesians 6.4. We have that one, Beth? And you fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admon... There you go. Thank you. Of the Lord. I think it mentions it a little bit later here. As important as it is to be the provider and protector of your family, which are paramount, to be the, the priest, the, the one who leads and points your family towards God, is above anything else that the Father can do. Um, so um, Lisa mentioned a little bit with ministering to kids with Patrick so one thing I know and I don't mean to put you on the spot Bianca one being on the road is not always easy I, I know when Jennifer and I were on the road that's one time that things really got messed up at our house because we were on the road we weren't there to handle things Um, I've met a lot of good truck drivers and other people that work in oil field and stuff and they're gone for months at a time but they love their families I mean just love them to pieces they think that by having a high paying career and lavishing their families with gifts and brand new cars and 4,000 square foot homes is buying their families affection but the sad part is, is how many of those people have I talked to have their marriages have ended in divorce because they're never there. I know a lot of times being out on the streets talking to people, that's exactly what happened. One family, him and his son, had came from California. They were camped out right next to Reno in a tent. 
behind the fence. I got to listen to this whole story, how they had a successful business. They were a great family. Everything was good and happy until the family situation was neglected. Dad went out of state for business, came back. He wasn't there anymore. Lost everything. And him and his son were homeless in Oklahoma City. So the point I'm trying to make, you can't serve two masters. As important as money is, our world revolves around it. There's no denying that. God has to come first, and family is right there next. You cannot neglect your family. Raising kids and stuff. And then in 2011, Terry started working in the oil field, and he started making all this money, but he was gone all the time. That was, our marriage started falling apart. I mean, but he was gone all the time, and he hated it, and I hated it, and we only did it for about eight months. And I think whenever he quit, that was when we had two brooms and a dustpan and started picking up trash. That's when we started this business, and God really blessed it, you know. But, but I can tell you, it was not a good situation at all. You know, it was not good. Just while we're here, you know, looking back on things, too, uh, the communication deal uh, you mentioned or relationship with your, your kids, being there, spending time with them, that's, that's so vitally important. You know, I'm so glad I got to coach ball and do all that stuff because you, I'm seeing now looking at the world and looking at kids today, uh, the biggest problem you have is kids when they – they're going to get in. They're going to get influenced by the world and by evil kids and other things. They have to. You have to be approachable. You know, they have to feel like they can come to you with anything. If you can do that, boy, you've done it all. Because generally, they want to bottle it up and hide it from you. But if you can establish such a close relationship with your kids to where they feel like they can come to you with a drug issue or a sexual issue, uh, pressures, man, you've done it. Great job if you can do that. Amen to that, Terry. Amen. It talks about that here in a little bit, but you're absolutely right. It, it starts with roots that are laid down by the parents, and then that you got to keep, like Terry just said, that communication open with your kids. They can trust you beyond all measure, and they will come to you no matter what it is, whether they've cut their finger off or they've found a girl that they shouldn't have met. But exactly right so the next one is word filled dads are fair they are not over protecting which is a mistake I made we should let our boys be boys and not restrict them so that they end up acting like little girls. Boys need to run, climb, jump, get scraped up, and explore, or they will not develop into leaders and protectors that they must become. Did y'all hear about the tweet that a country singer, um, 
yeah, Jason Aldean that his wife made. So glad that her parents didn't rush her to a doctor when she was a tomboy growing up, have a sex change done. Um, sorry, that just popped in there. Um, I, it is. It's becoming more and more. nine that's passing it's that federal mandate that a school you know if, that a school will not um, notify the parents if the children are seeking counseling at school and if the child um, feels like they are transgender or whatever or having gender identity disorder or probably disorder but gender identity issues um, the counselor um, is not only not required to but is not allowed to report that to the parents and then and this is federal so it's not state to state and then if the um, if the uh, parent finds out and has an issue with it and will not allow the child to pursue whatever counseling they see fit then um, the parent can be reported as unsafe to the uh, authorities and yeah, and that's that's real, and that's happening right now. So, amen. Out of everything. They're going to vote on that on September 11th, and so if anybody wants to send their name in on this big petition that an organization is doing, they're trying to get you know hundreds of thousands of parents to put pressure on them not to vote on yes on that I have a link that I can send to people that you can go to and they're all involved in fighting that I can't think of what it's called right now but September 11th and, and I'm glad she brought that up because we all need to be fasting and praying over that yes ma'am pastor is fixing to get into a series on prayer and fasting uh, and it couldn't come at a better time and I'm sure Pastor's going to talk about this later too, so I won't talk about it much tonight. He's mentioned it every year I've been here. Uh, a lot of people haven't paid attention to it. It's vitally important Christians vote for Christians, for God-fearing people that will hold God's values in whatever position they're elected to. Because right now, they're running rampant. And it's almost to the point that it's going to be completely democratic across the board and everything. And if it comes to that, they're already trying so hard to take our, our, our rights and liberties and freedoms. Yep, you're right, Terry. But it could get even. We know who sits on the throne. We know who sits on the throne. And last election time, Pam uh, had the same uh, link to people to vote for that, that are godly. And that's vitally important. Um, favoring them. I didn't have to worry about this because I only had one kid. And I'm thankful I only have one kid. Um, but I've seen it many times where, especially one, you got two brothers, and one brother is much more athletic, and he has a very athletic dad that son gets the favoritism of the other one. Um, blurring, blurring them. God has made and gifted each of his children uniquely, like beautiful spiritual snowflakes 
Therefore, we should never try to make clones of ourselves, but cooperate with God in conforming them to his image, not our image, to fulfill his ultimate purpose for creating each individual special little person. Um, neglecting them. A word-filled dad, we must spend time with our children. We've already talked about this a few times already. You have to put your kids first. If boss is calling and your kid's tugging on your shirt trying to tell you something, take a minute to listen to your son. Call your boss back. Little things like this make such an impact. My dad, my real dad, was a uh, he was always gone, which is part of why my mom and dad got divorced. We talked about this already, too. He was with uh, Air Force and, and just um, a lot of things. And uh, I, I remember so many times I, I won a trophy for we came in first place during a baseball tournament, you know. I wanted to show my dad. Dad's out of town, son. Sorry. You know, I, I did something at home. You know, I felt like a, a big shot, a big man. I wanted to go brag to dad, like, hey, dad, look what I did. That's not there. So it's very important, very important that you make time. And, and even later, uh, after mom and dad got divorced, uh, the rare occasion that dad would even come and want to see me, we would go back to his apartment or whatever, and it was sun cleaning the fish tank. I have some phone calls to go make. Okay, good to see you too, dad. So the, the role and the availability, like Terry said earlier, of a dad to his kids, priceless. Our father is nonstop always there for us, no matter what. Um, so it says, don't be, and this is question number three, don't be preoccupied with a job to the exclusion of family needs. It means refusing to face the severity of our children's actions. A poor father fails to respond quickly and thoroughly to the warnings of others. Often a bad parent rationalizes the wrong he has done, thereby becoming part of the problem rather than part of the solution. Another way to look at that is if a father feels like he didn't accomplish what he wanted to while he was growing up, a lot of times he pushes that over on his kids. Do not verbally abuse them. Um, I put down here, cutful, cutful words when they have done wrong or have not lined up to the expectations that you put upon them. How many times have you been in Walmart, Brahms, and you hear a, a, a slap or a screaming, and you're so worthless, why did I have you, why did I bring you with me? These are parents talking to their kids. I remember, I think I was with mom and dad, and we were in a Brahms in Oklahoma City and I was only 14 or 15 years old but I wanted to jump up and whip the guy's face because he was just cussing his kids and his kids didn't do anything 
They did nothing. They just wanted an ice cream. And he's going irate because probably boils down to he couldn't afford to buy him ice cream, so he feels guilty. So he's taking it out on them. You remember that, Mom? Oh, that Grandpa? Yeah. Yeah, I'll share. We were going into Coles one day, and uh, they were just walking out of Coles, and this Grandpa picked up his grandkids and threw them in the van and was finger in his face, screaming at him, bloody murder, that he was worthless, stupid, he might as well kill himself. And we couldn't let that one go. We called the cops on that one. The sad thing is, is that kids most of the time aren't deserving of this. Most of the time they just want your attention. They just want your love. They just want you to be an example, to lead them and guide them through life, to set boundaries, to set limits, to set rules. Most of the time, I just want to say most times, almost all the time, they're undeserving of what they get. Um, it should be a guideline for all discipline. Never correct children in anger. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. James 1.20 I don't know about anybody else, but how hard is this in the heat of a moment? <laughs> Sometimes, I think Pastor might have mentioned this. Pretty sure you mentioned this. Sheila might know. To, uh, you had to address the situation after a few minutes because you might have done something or said something initially that wasn't. So it's okay. It's okay if you know the issue and you want to take a step back, calm down, take a breath, and then go in there so you're not throwing furniture across the room or something else. When Tippy was little, we was getting ready to go to the school play, and she had on this little dress, and I was trying to fix her hair, and she was throwing a fit, and I lost my temper, and I slapped her on her thigh. I mean, like, smack. And we leave, and we go to the school, and I felt bad. And she's up on stage, and the lights are on her, and you could see my handprint on her thigh. <laughs> that taught me a real lesson. <laughs> Today, yes. <laughs> So yes, um, like Pam just stated, it can be very hard. Uh, I know one time my older sister, who always referred to me as her little big brother, we came in at, we came in from Chickasha at two or three o'clock in the morning, and guess who was waiting at the door? Mom. As soon as the door opened, smack. Where have y'all been? John, go to your room. Yes, ma'am. That was not a good night for my sister. Um, what, 
we are eligible to be considered for leadership in his church. However, did I skip something? No. Uh, If we have submissive children and lead our homes well, we are eligible to be considered for leadership in his church. However, the opposite is also true. If a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he make or take care of the church of God? When I first got called to be a pastor, this verse in particular stuck out to me big time. And it made me check myself if I even knew what I was doing as a father, as a husband. Because to be called into, in the role I am now, and not even be able to manage my own home, that scripture stuck out to me like a sore thumb. And also Luke 16, 10 through 13. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is also unjust. Is Yes. Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you to your trust to riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, it's not the same for everybody. Each person's convictions are their own. But this is another verse, set of verses that stuck out to me. When I first got called to be a pastor... Because it no longer is just about you. It's about everyone that you're teaching or speaking the word of God to. So if you're not even sure in your own fundamentals, your own salvation or anything else, how can you get up and lead or teach anybody else in the same thing? And if I can't take care of myself and control my temptations and control anything else in my life, how am I going to be able to minister to somebody else when they're having problems in their life? Very, Both of those were very... Uh, slap in the face whenever I first got called. Word-filled dads are Christ-like. And that one, I hope, is kind of a no-brainer. But as much as it should be a no-brainer, it's not always true. But you would hope that the more you fill yourself with the word more that you will exude the word and the image of Christ and also helping to mold your children into the image of Christ. Flee danger of substituting gifts for time. We talked about this a little bit ago. A lot of dads who do nothing but work think that they're buying the happiness of their family with gifts. I know an old song in an old movie can't buy me love kind of a great point to that as much money as as he had he could never buy the love of the girl and flee the danger of giving them only leftovers our kids never deserve leftovers 
As men, we are constantly in, uh, we constantly are tempted to save our best for the workplace, to save our best for others, to save our best for our friends, forever we're trying to impress and give our families the leftovers. The practice can be likened to us being jets at an airport as jets will exercise, refuel, and taxi out of hangars to fly to work, full of energy and ideals all day, only to run low on fuel as we land, taxi into our recliners and shut down for the evening. I've done that. Work 12 hours, come home and mow the lawn, and when you finally get inside, you're exhausted. And that doesn't mean your responsibilities as a husband or a father stop. That doesn't mean your kids still don't need you, need to talk to you, need to sit on daddy's lap, need help with homework, whatever it might be. Flee the danger of corrupt communication. In Ephesians 4.29, Paul admonishes each of us to never allow corrupt words out of our mouths. The word used speaks in clear terms. It means sharp and cutting or sick and rotting. Does that describe talk that comes out inside your home and car? I, I don't think it, that applies to anybody in here. We need to admonish and encourage and strengthen our kids. Uh, was it Pam or Lisa that said a while ago that even when they've done wrong, we need to handle it in a positive way, right? <laughs> yes. Slap them on the thigh, but use good, kind words. <laughs> but it is important. Instead of cutting your kids down to nothing and making them feel worthless and they're never going to accomplish anything in their life, because there's a good chance that if that's all they ever hear from mom and dad, they're not going to accomplish anything in life. I, I know of a particular person that, um, hold on, I'll show you this. No, Just when you said that, that, that is so powerful. Have you guys seen the little meme on Facebook and it's got the kid and the parents? Um, brain is reaching in and it's got the destructive words and it said be careful how you speak to your children because your voice will become their inner voice when they grow up and it's so true you know all that stuff very good point how many times have you heard other people or you said yourself like oh my gosh I'm turned into my parents hopefully your parents were biblical um, but I know of a kid I used to work with Darren. Um, he still hasn't come to Christ yet. He has a great heart, but that's not enough. He came from a family of abusers. Um, uh, feeling it was better to just live on the street than to try to make anything out of themselves. And it, and it was his dad, his uncles, his cousins, everything. But he chose to make a different path for himself. And I applaud him for that. He's made a very successful uh, business for himself against everything else that his family was trying to pull him into. So an individual can make the choice on their own, but kind of like Sheila just said, if a parent is leading by example and always putting the positive, encouraging words, strengthening their kids, they're much more likely to do it.
Um, question number four. was um, most men approach life in what way? Very mechanically. Women are great nurturers. Men are very usually cut and dry. Very mechanical in their thoughts, in their child rearing, in everything. I skipped a whole page. I'm sorry. Um, Uh, if we go back from what I skipped um, on page 234 it's how to bless your family uh, the example he gives here is a Jewish, Jewish Sabbath dinner I, I don't do that in my house but like Pam said last time when Terry leaves for work she's pleading the blood of Jesus over it there's different ways that we can bless our family and I hope every morning that we bless our kids whenever they go to school, whenever they go to work, whatever it might be, we're blessing our family. Um, Word-filled dads are tender. Uh, to bring them up means to nourish or to provide. And that's where it says that women are more nurturers and men are mechanical. Occasionally we, we will evidence bad judgment be harsh or otherwise be neglected in doing what we know we ought to do whenever we fall short in any area tenderness requires that we quickly ask for forgiveness and that can be hard to do as a dad to walk into your daughter's room and say baby I was wrong daddy was not right about that and will you please forgive me know a lot of dads that would just continue to sit in their chair, ignore it, and say it'll be all right. Word-filled dads are firm. We talked about this a little bit earlier. I wrote that you set the rules and don't give in to leniency. It starts and builds structure in your kids when parents are firm on what they've set in place. It, it's uh, kids are really good about if you give them an inch they'll take a mile. So the first time that you say if you don't do your homework by four o'clock you're not getting ice cream. To come to you the next day and it's 4.05 the homework's not done and they want ice cream. And they say, well, you did really good with raking the, the leaves in the yard today. So I'll go ahead and give you ice cream this time. Come to you the next day. Now it's 4.15. Homework's still not done. I want ice cream. Well, you gave me ice cream yesterday. I didn't get my homework done, so how come I can't have it today? It's, it's hard as parents. But it's it's uh, it's very very important. Because I was abused when I was growing up, so I went way the opposite. You know, I never wanted my kids to cry or 
And so I wish that I would have let him discipline more than I let him. Um, I, I'm trying to say this nicely. Um, I, I'm sure I'm not the only guy here that uh, wishes sometimes they could have handled it instead of mom. But everything still works out. Um, So we went over word-filled dads are tender, they're firm. Um, as we said, uh, this one thing here, which is question number five. A father's task is many-sided, but the most important part of his work is, is to fit himself and his family into God's plan of family and authority. In all things we do, whether it's the way we discipline, the way we raise, the way we talk, we teach, we love, all things are in accordance, we hope, to God's plan. His plan for our family and for ourselves. Um, if our kids constantly see us obeying our Heavenly Father, giving glory to Him, they're more apt to do the same with their earthly dad and you're setting an example for them with their Heavenly Father. And we are way over. Uh, okay, so we will pick up here next week um, and finish the questions and move into chapter 15. Um, anybody have anything special they need prayer for? Before we close out tonight, Bianca? Your job? Okay. Okay. Bob?